don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Story Times. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And guys, I have to tell you before we start, me and Michelle, in the past few years, we've got a lot of matching clothes mm-hmm. because we spent so much time together. Well, we've outgrown all of those clothes except, except for, for one shirt. One shirt, and we both wore it today. Did not plan it. It literally happens. If I'm like. If we're going to see each other that day and I wear our matching shirt, I'm like, yeah, she's probably going to wear it. She's going to wear it. I didn't even think about it. I put on my shirt this morning and Austin, my boyfriend, was like, I bet Kirsten's going to wear hers. I was like, bro, this is like the only matching shirt we have anymore. I don't know. And he's like, I bet she will. And as soon (laughs) as she walked up to my patio door, we're sitting on the back patio. She walks up to the patio door. I'm like, bitch, you would. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) I I forgot you even had that shirt. Austin was like, I called it. I called it. (laughs) Anyway, so that was a great way to start the day. Eventful. (laughs) It always happens. I don't know why I expected any less, but I was just like, nah, this is like the only matching shirt we have anymore. (laughs) Well, I usually wear this shirt to work. Mm-hmm. because it's getting like tight on me mm-hmm. and so i'd never wear it like it's like my uh, shirt i can get dirty in basically i love this shirt it's so comfortable right yeah i think you actually bought me this shirt i think i did yeah i think you did too but i don't know i think i paid for something like earlier in the day and then you bought my shirt because we got them in chicago at a concert yeah our last night yeah it was dope it was i dope. saved kirsten's life like four she times she did and she lost her phone and i found it yeah <laughs> But anyways, they were were like, um, like moshing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like right next to the mosh and Michelle grabbed my arm and yanked me back so fast. (laughs) She almost got killed, guys. She was like, no. And then there was a guy that was like crowd surfing and his shoe about hit my head. Oh my God. I grabbed Kirsten's head and shoved her fucking head down. And she like literally the foot went right where her head was. I was like, oh my God. Michelle. I'm I'm protecting this girl. You might be younger than me, but you're. I'm the big sister in this friendship. Okay. (laughs) Yes. But I'm the mom. (laughs) I don't know how that works. I don't know. But. (laughs) Like, literally yesterday, I text Kirsten. I'm like, it's taking everything in me not to get a pool. And I'm like, don't. And she's like, just think about all the expenses. And I'm like, but think about how good it would be to swim in a pool right now. (laughs) And she's like, well, you can always swim at my grandparents' house. And I'm like, yeah, we can swim at Austin's mom's house, too. But, like, it's nice to have a pool of your own in your backyard that you can just go to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wear your bathing suit in front of everybody else. She's like, yeah, but like you don't need a pool. And I'm like, you're You're right. right. (laughs) So I settled for a volleyball net instead. (laughs) It'll get used more out here anyway. Yeah, it really will. But I just thought that was funny. Yeah, she's like, I'm so impulsive about buying stuff sometimes, but. Not me. I think about my purchases way too much. I mean, like. Do you? Yes, I do. Do you? I had to buy a new mouse guard Mm -hmm. the other day and I was like, do I need it? 
do i need a new mouth guard but is it I only do. when it comes to stuff for yourself yes because i feel like that's how it is yes. for me too only when it's for even if it's things that i need like mm-hmm. a mouth guard i'm like can it wait yeah probably not probably not all right all right so we not we i <laughs> am gonna be reading part two of the story that i started last week called i was involved in a prison break but ended up somewhere way worse by the user 10 minute horror on reddit and it came from the subreddit dark tales um go listen to the first part i'm gonna do a recap but i'm not gonna give you all the details because you gotta listen to the first part basically this guy was arrested for the murder of his neighbor that he did not do he was just he just found him murdered so he said so he was sentenced to 25 years in prison away from his wife and his four-year-old daughter but then when he was being transported to the prison the van was intercepted and he escaped him and three other prisoners escaped and went into this house this farmhouse and then the police were like searching for them through the woods it was storming and they went right past the farmhouse. Like, they didn't even see the farmhouse, didn't search it or anything. And that's pretty much where we stopped. Okay. But there was a lot more details than that, so you need to go you listen. You need to go You need listen. to go listen to the first part. Okay. So, um, this episode's probably going to be short, just like the last one. But, do you have anything to add, Michelle, before I start? Um, go give us a review. Yes. Please. We would like to know how we're doing. I saw that we got a couple more reviews, mm-hmm. but we need more. We need more. So please stop here. Go give us a review. Apple Podcasts, Not Spotify. Not just a rating, a review. Yeah. We you can give some... a rating too, though. If that's all yeah, you have yeah. time for right now, just just take the Probably time to go give us a rating. A review yes, too. we would. Some constructive criticism. We have Don't gotten be a, dick. a couple ratings, <laughs> and we appreciate that, but we need more. So, what was that? i was gonna say without further ado that's not what that sounded like no not at all you said (laughs) let's just get into it okay my adrenaline rush was finally starting to drop and i felt sleep coming on i tried to stay awake but it was useless i fell into a deep nightmarish slumber it was filled with horrors but none worse than the last one the one that rang true I'd gotten to Jess and Scarlett sneaking home one night, and I asked them to run with me. Jess had said no. Hearing that word gave me more pain than any I've ever felt, awake or asleep. I woke up as a roar of thunder shook the farmhouse, but I could have sworn I heard a scream layered in with it. I took in my surroundings quickly and realized I was alone in the living room, face pressed against the window as the storm continued to rage. Aside from being alone, only one thing seemed different from before I fell asleep. The basement door was wide open. I picked up my fire poker and approached the doorway. I looked down, and despite it being dark, I could see a shape standing at the bottom of the stairs. The shape was so large, it was undeniably richer. But he was trembling. I could see his breath even from up here. I backed away, thinking about shutting the door and locking him down there. 
but figured I didn't need to give him a reason to try to kill me. I moved into the kitchen instead and decided to sneak out the back door. Now was the time to take my chance at running. I'd go to the cops and tell them what I could. However the cards dropped from there, I'd have to live with. But the kitchen door wouldn't budge. The knob wouldn't even turn. It was frozen into place. I fumbled with it, trying to assess whether it was jammed or stuck, but it felt like I was trying to move a part of the wall. There was no give at all. I thought about breaking the window, but knew that would be too loud. So I took a rag, wrapped it around my fist, and gently pressed it against one of the kitchen window panes. It wasn't budging either. I tried to apply more and more pressure, very slowly, so it caused the glass to crack, but not shatter. But again, it felt like I was pushing against the house itself. We were trapped inside, at least on the first floor. Maybe I could find a breakable window upstairs. I wasn't crazy about the idea, as I didn't know where John or Colson were, and what they might do if they found me alone. I didn't trust anyone here. I didn't even trust the house. Maybe it was paranoia, but they were violent criminals. What was one more murder during a prison break? I nervously carried my fire poker upstairs, but found the hallway had changed since I'd first come up when we arrived. The hall had gotten longer and now had four doors on each side and one at the end. I remember there was only four in total before, but somehow they doubled. Had I misremembered it the first time? I walked forward, passing the first two doors. Neither of them had windows. They were both covered in wood panel walls. I knew that wasn't right. I'd seen windows in them earlier. I continued on and found all eight doors led to more rooms without windows. The final door led to a room that was filled with stacks of newspapers and a window on the far wall. I went to the window and looked out. The search party appeared to be moving away as the storm was getting heavier. I tried to press against the glass again, but it wouldn't budge. It might as well have been cement. My attention turned to the shortest stack of newspapers, which was beside me. It was spanning back decades and even a century. The headlines were for a serial killer who'd been arrested, but escaped prison and disappeared. The next one was for a mass murderer who'd gotten away during a police pursuit and was now missing after a baffling disappearance. Then another. But this one had John Wheatley Jr. on the cover. It spoke of him and his exploits. I flipped it over. The next one horrified me. It was a newspaper that had next week's date on it, but looked like it had been there for 50 years, just like the rest of them. It spoke of the prison transport bus being intercepted by John Wheatley Sr., who died in the ensuing shootout, and of the convicts that managed to escape and had not been found. There was my name, my face. I backed away, not wanting to read any more, but went right into another pile, knocking it over. The pile spilled across the floor, 
headlines filled with articles on killers and rapists disappearing. Large manhunts spreading across states, even the country, but never seen again. And my name and face was there, scattered amongst them. I got to the door, but found the hallway was gone. I had to catch myself against the doorframe because I didn't see the floor was now stairs. Ones that led directly into the basement. Somehow I was standing over the basement stairs. The doorway out to the hallway was now a doorway down. At the bottom of the stairs was John, Colson, and Richard. They were staring up at me, waiting. I tried to step back, but found the room was gone now. There was nothing but a wall at my back. And it was pushing me forward, down the stairs, to the others. The lone bulb overhead dimmed out, and I lost my balance, toppling forward. I prepared to feel the hard stairs crack against my body, but they never did. I fell into darkness and just kept going. My mind started to move fast, and I couldn't keep up with my thoughts as I fell through weightlessness. My temperature shot up, like a fever had gone from zero to a hundred in under a second. Brief, aggressive flashes of my life began assaulting the inside of my eyelids. The road rage, the drunk nights out that resulted in fights, all the more destructive parts of my life, fused together in one frightening reel. There were things I felt bad for, even really bad, and things I felt I'd handled the right way, even if they'd be viewed as excessive by, by some. But now, like this, everything felt horrid. I felt the weight of every poor decision, every attempted justification for my actions. The last flourish of memories was from that afternoon with Monahan, the argument on his front lawn, the anger I felt. How I very nearly hit him right there. My fist was clenched and I was ready to, but I held back. Then it was him on the kitchen floor in my arms. The last breaths of life draining from him, but nothing in between. The memory flashed out and my eyes opened. I was laying on dirt. It was cold and wet. I got up and realized I was in the basement, at the bottom of the stairs. It was so dark. The only light coming from the open doorway above. I couldn't tell if the room was 20 feet wide or perhaps 20 miles. There was a series of low thuds coming from somewhere upstairs. It was methodical, like a metronome. I managed to get myself up the stairs. The headache I had from the memory flood slowly subsiding. On the first floor, I followed the low thuds to the front door and found something that flipped my stomach. Okay, if you're listening, I'm going to say right now, it does get pretty graphic. So, I'm going to put just a little trigger warning because it's pretty um, detailed. So, if you don't want to listen to, like, details of, like, blood and stuff, I would not continue listening. You have been warned. John was on his knees at the front door. A horrific croaking sound coming from him. He was banging his face and hands into the door repeatedly. As I got closer, I saw his face had been mashed in and his fist had been beaten down to bloody stubs. The door was covered in the gory smears left over from John's face and hands. I can't imagine how someone could still be operating their motor functions in this state. 
Then John stopped. He turned and faced me, and I saw his eyes were smashed in as well. But he acted like he was looking at me. A grin crept across his lipless mouth. He sputtered out the words, There's no way out. Then he lunged at me. I fell backwards onto the stairs up to the second floor. I swung the fire poker and cracked John in the head. He hit the ground hard but was back up and crawling towards me in no time. I rushed up the stairs, but found the hallway was even longer now, with dozens of doorways on each side. John was crawling his way up the stairs, and I could hear other footsteps moving through the living room and kitchen below. There were other people down there. I rushed down the second floor hall, not knowing where I was going, but knowing I needed to find somewhere safer than I was. But as I went, I realized the doorways didn't lead to other rooms. They led to more hallways, with more doorways, and more hallways, and more doorways. They seemed to just keep going. Where the fuck was I? What was this place? Doorways and passages leading to more rooms. Staircases on the ceiling that led into basements above me. Or were they below me? Was I upside down? I looked down and realized I was now walking on the ceiling. But then, it was the floor again. I felt like my brain was swimming and I got nauseous. I stumbled past windows. Some of them looked out into endless fields with electric storms scorching the horizon, while others were more personal. One of the windows looked in on my living room at home. I could see Jess and Scarlett on the couch, watching the news. My face was on the screen among the other escapees. Tears were streaming down my wife's cheeks. Scarlet was crying too. She probably didn't really understand, but maybe she did. I saw shadows darting between doorways, footsteps creaking from above, below, and all around. Something was chasing me from all sides. Some things. Then... I could hear that unsettling croaking sound John was making when he was destroying his face and hands. Colson's voice called out from a different direction, asking what I thought of the house. All I could think of was this place like some kind of mousetrap for people like us. Like them. It appeared as a safe haven from our futures, a mirage like a piece of cheese distracting us from its surprises and weight. But if that was the case, why was I here? Was it accidental, or did I actually belong here? Or the worst of all, had I actually committed the crime? Had I killed Monahan in a blackout rage and repressed it? It was a thought I'd kept as far away as I could manage through all this. But it was feeling more real. I turned down a new hallway, my will deteriorating as I heard the footsteps gaining. I ran into a new room, this one long and filled with varying sized frames with different mug shots in each. There were hundreds of them lining all the walls. I saw John's, Colson's, and Richard's in a row at the end, but not mine. Mine wasn't there. I peeked out through the doorway in the hallway and saw three frightening yellow beams were piercing in from it like a series of flashlights. The source of the light appeared. It was from Coulson. He'd been decapitated, 
and was holding his severed head out in front of him. The yellow light was pouring from his eyes and mouth like a grotesque lantern. He was calling my name from his severed head. I ducked out of the doorway and rushed down a hallway leading into another room, but found John stumbling through it. Half of his head had been ground down to brain and skull, and his bloody nubs had sharpened bone spearing out. Somehow I knew he could see me. The croaking came from somewhere at the back of his mangled throat. It screamed out, He's in here! I turned to sprint through a new door, but found the way blocked by a large mountain of a man. He was glistening in the darkness and had to duck under the frame to enter. Colson appeared from another doorway, and I was bathed in the yellow light from his lantern head. He smiled and pointed the light to the doorway with the large framed man. It was richer. He'd been skinned, with only bloody muscle, veins, and ligament remaining. He walked through the door towards me. They all did. I backed up, but found myself against the wall. The framed mugshots were covering it, and several fell to the ground. I was surrounded by the three destroyed men, and was quickly realizing I would soon be joining them in my own frightening state. What would they do to me? What would I become here? I held out the fire poker, ready to start swinging. Colson said, that wouldn't work here. This house didn't exist by our rules. But I would come to know them well. I didn't care. I raised the fire poker like a baseball bat, and they rushed in. As they leapt towards me, I felt a change inside. An overwhelming sense of calm took over, like I was being protected somehow by something. I shut my eyes and dropped the fire poker, knowing that swinging it or committing any act of violence wouldn't save me anymore, if it ever could. But the men didn't hit me. Nothing did. I opened my eyes and realized I was back on the floor, by the window in the living room of the farmhouse. Colson, John, and Richard were scattered through the room, asleep peacefully on the ground. They were in their orange jumpsuits and appeared to be completely normal and unhurt. Then, the front door creaked open. The rain pattering outside drifted in. I quietly got up, trying not to wake the three. The door was swinging gently from the wind. Rain was coming down sideways and into the entrance. I walked to the doorway and looked back. The three men were still asleep. This was my chance. And if anything I just saw was a prediction of coming events, I knew I had to take it. I walked out the front door. But as I did, my vision went blurry and overly saturated, like it had been hijacked by some pirated station. I can't say why or how, but it was some kind of revere. A vision from the night of Monaghan's death. It started with Jess and I in our living room mid-conversation. She was trying to convince me to go over and apologize to Monaghan or at least smooth out what happened earlier. But then, all of a sudden, I saw inside Monaghan's house. He was in his own living room, but he wasn't alone. There was a young man in there with him. It was clear the man was a junkie. They were arguing heavily, 
Parts of the conversation floated through my psyche. The young man was Monahan's grandson and had been on the streets for a year. He'd gotten by with little bits of support here and there, but had become increasingly reliant on crime. Tonight, being in a particularly bad way and needing more than usual, the grandson was denied money by his grandfather for the last time. An argument erupted, which turned into a full-blown confrontation in the kitchen. And while I was being convinced to go over to apologize, Monahan was being murdered. His grandson. It had been his grandson the whole time. And with that, my foot landed outside the farmhouse and rain hit my face. I was outside. I looked to the right, where there was open forest and a clear path to escape. I looked left, and there was the search party, a few hundred feet away, but blurry from the storm. The thought of continuing to run flashed through my mind, making my way back home to Jess and Scarlet and getting us into Mexico, or further south. It was a fleeting thought, though, and was gone before it came. I ran left, going for the closest cruiser. I had my hands up and open as I approached, and within seconds, I was arrested. As I was thrown into the back of the car, I looked to where I came from. There was just an empty plot of land. The pickaway house was gone. There were lots of interviews and interrogations after that. I made up a simple story that I'd been dragged along by John and the other two, and we'd been hiding in a creek nearby. I was scared of them, so I went along with them. They found tools, and we managed to get unhooked from each other. The first chance I got, I ran for the search party. It played well enough. It wasn't the truth, but somehow it was more realistic than the truth. I had a discovery hearing with the Department of Corrections. It appeared to be more about me than about John, Colson, or Richard. They wanted to know why I came back. Why didn't I keep running with the others? I told them because I wasn't like those men. I had always believed in our justice system, but in a recent instance, that belief had been shaken after it made a terrible mistake. I told them I wanted to one day be able to legally walk my daughter down the street, take her out for ice cream, a movie, be a part of the family that she would eventually start. Though I was facing an impossible uphill battle and the potential of decades inside prison, if I ran, I'd never get the chance to have that with Scarlet. I would always be running. I didn't want that. I was ready to stop fighting physically and to start fighting the right way. Starting here. Now. With some new information I'd recently uncovered about who actually killed Monaghan. Good story. And that's the end. Dang, there is no, like, resolution? Well, I mean, you can you can make up your own. I'm gonna say. What happened? The other person got convicted, and he got out of prison, and he lived a happy life. And but he changed gonna, his but ways. But they're gonna be like, how do you know that? How do you know that his grandson killed him? How does he know that? Doesn't matter. Where'd he get that information? Doesn't matter. He got it from a house. They could still look into it. <laughs> They definitely could. And I'm going to say they did because that seems more logical. Yeah. Even though I know our justice system is fucked. But. Right, which is why he's the one who got arrested. Yeah. But well, anyway. his 
fingerprints were on the murder weapon. His wife yeah. did see him pulling the knife out of his chest. So. Yeah, so, I mean. It was a good one. It was a good one. Yeah, I hope you guys liked it. Um, I'm going to leak link the... Leak? Leak. <laughs> I can't talk today. I'm going to link the story down in the show notes. And this person has a whole lot of stories on their um, profile on Reddit. So, I would definitely go check them out. Yep, I'll link the profile too. It's a 10-minute horror. Horror. I can't fucking talk. 10-minute horror on Reddit. <laughs> but um, anyway, go subscribe to our Patreon. Yep. We're getting ready to uh, record our bonus episode. We are behind. Yeah. But we are catching, we're, we're catching up. We're going to record and upload the bonus episode. It's probably, And do the mukbang, too. It's probably already up by the time you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And it is another story from this user. So if you want to listen to it. Go there. Head on over there. Um, anything, anything else to add, Michelle? Nope, that's it. Uh, make sure you check out Michelle's episode on Friday. And other than that, we will see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs>